Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. My guest today is Katrina Clear, an accomplished chief marketing officer, chief digital officer, board director, and industry speaker. Uh, Katrina currently serves as a senior managing partner at Sage Strategy Group. And on today's show, Katrina and I plan to discuss inorganic growth, which I think is a very interesting topic uh, for small and mid-sized companies. And we're going to focus on three areas, acquisition integration, partnerships, and strategic alliances. So this topic is perfect for our listeners right now, where they are in business and where we are in 2023. So welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Katrina Clear. Thanks, Brian. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, You know what? This is, out of all of the things that I do, Katrina, this is by far my most favorite. I love talking to people. I love learning from them. And I have a feeling you are going to give me an MBA on inorganic growth today. Well, we'll see how it goes. I think that journalist background in you, right? It's in your <laughs> DNA. You can't shake it. <laughs> right, right. So I, I, I lots of questions. Um, so what, why don't we do this? Let's start with um, just tell our listeners, you've had a, a, a phenomenal career and, you know, you've been at great companies. Uh, I, I love the work that you do. So just give us a little bit of background, like your experience and, you know, we'll start from there. How about that? All right. Well, I've had a, a long and hopefully continued longer, interesting uh, career. I've never been bored. I guess that's a good thing. That's one of yeah. my lessons. is like, don't be bored. Life is too short. And, you know, I've uh, gotten a reputation for being the profitable growth at scale executive. Because um, basically, I'm, I'm really good at finding those growth opportunities and putting the strategy in place and then making it real. And so all the way through. And I've had the good fortune to be able to build a lot of businesses from the ground up, oftentimes inside larger companies. So a little bit of an entrepreneur as well as first and smaller companies. And, you know, really getting to that growth and value quickly, you've got to look at a lot of different options. So, you know, that's where the inorganic piece kind of comes into play. And, uh, you know, oftentimes that's acquisitions. It could be partnerships, strategic alliances, and they're always kind of a good thing to have in the mix because, you know, you don't have to go it alone all the time and it's uh, it can really get you where you want to be faster. And it can be a lot of fun to do. I've done over 200 acquisition integrations on the go-to-market side. And wow. so i um, been through a little bit of the boot camp on that, which has been great. Earned a few stripes. And uh, I'm, and I should clarify when I say go-to-market perspective, that's like sales, marketing, customer success, that part. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done dozens of partnerships and strategic alliances and, you know, had some good learning from the trenches on that front. So I could save our clients some, as I say, scraped knees and bruised elbows on finding <laughs> their way through all of this because uh, they don't need to repeat all those hard lessons. If I can help them jump over them a little faster, I'd be happy to do so. Well, it, it's so your experience and your wisdom in this area is invaluable to my listeners because a lot of them will write to me and talk about, you know, how do I grow in a volatile market? Right. Or I'm having success and 
it seems like everybody wants to partner with me, but I feel like, you know, they're parasites. They're just trying to feed off of my success. And, and I remember one, one person wrote to me, how do I create a partnership that's truly 50 50? I don't want to be the predominant entity in the partnership and just do all of the work and not get all of the credit. So it's, it's a very interesting pathway for small and mid-sized companies also because they have a they have a limited amount or a finite amount of resources. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you make a bad partnership deal or a bad strategic alliance or a bad acquisition, and it could really cost a healthy business, you know, a good chunk of their capital. Oh, yeah. You know, it's the, you know, the best laid plans, right, as they say. And, yeah. you know, one of the best pieces of career advice I got very early in my career, mind you, And, um, I had literally worked, I think, I don't, I don't think I even hardly slept for like two weeks, putting this strategy deck together for our CFO and CEO at the the time and, um, couldn't hardly see straight young kid. I was like early twenties. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know full of fire. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but (laughs) I, I, uh, I remember I had really worked hard on this and I felt good about it. I sat down with my manager at the time. And we go through it and it's like 1030 at night, right? You know, I can't hardly see straight. And the meeting was at like eight in the morning the next day. He's like, all right, what's the one thing you know is always true about any plan you ever do? And I'm thinking to myself, I am way too tired for riddles, dude. You're going to have to like, no puzzle, it's too late. Yeah. And, and I literally kind of said something to that effect to him. And he leans across the desk and looks at me and says, of plans are wrong. And I literally said to him, are you trying to make me cry? Because I really might. (laughs) So tired. I'm like, don't tell me it's wrong. I've worked too hard on it. But he had a good point. He goes, no, no, no. Every plan is wrong. Nobody can foresee the future with 100% accuracy. Right. So the most important parts of your plans are those milestones of like, how are you going to know if it's working? What are you going to look for to know if it's successful? How are you going to know to pivot or tweak or pull the plug on it um, before it's too late? And if you've got that in your plan, then you're most more likely to be successful. And that stuck with me all this time. And every time I go to do an acquisition or a partnership or an alliance, like he, he's, it's like he's talking in my head. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you going to know if it's going to work? Like, how are you going to know? So I think that's important to think through because you can get really easily caught up in, in the what's going on. Versus the, how are you going to know if the outcome is doing what you need it to do? So we have a a, a workshop that I do, it, and it's 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 all about laying uh, so, uh, foundational concepts, right? To to build a solid foundation, and within that, we talk about creating a GPS plan for your business. There you go. And what's interesting? It's interesting that you say that because. We've we've run this. We probably had forty or so people go through the workshop. It's a it's a four week workshop. Almost every single one of them said, "Can you help me create my own GPS plan?" Mm-hmm. It's it's that roadmap that they're looking for. Like you said, you know that validation. Like I, I don't want to lose everything, and I don't want to be so far off path that by the time I realize it, I've used all my resources. And now I can not only can I not hit my goal, I can't even get back to where I was. Right. So that that's a that's a really good point. So why don't 
Can you give us some examples of inorganic growth? I mean, we touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but I'd love to hear some, uh, you know, when we talk about that, you know, what would what would some examples be? Yeah, what does it mean? You know, inorganic growth, it sounds like one of those MBA book terms. Yeah. People are like, what is that, right? Yeah, um, it's going to cost know, me a lot of money. Right, right. And or is that something those fancy consultant people do and, and nobody else really knows what it means? Um, you know, the easiest way to think about organic inorganic growth is growth that comes from things outside of your normal course of business. Okay. So if you kind of start with that, you know, filter, and it usually comes down to, you know, three main areas. There's acquisitions. So you go buy a whole company or you buy a piece of it, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you buy their whole distribution business in the Northeast, right? But you don't mm-hmm. buy all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, that's the, probably the most common one. You know, you can do an acquisition for a few different reasons. You might be buying market share. Maybe you have 10% market share, you buy a company that's got 5% share, and they're in a territory that you're not really in. Mm -hmm. You don't lose a lot of customers. Now you've got roughly 15% market share. Okay. So buying market share is one reason people do it. Uh, You know, another reason is to plug a hole or a gap that keeps coming up in your service or product offering. You know, your customers are like, hey, do you do this? And it's like, well... We're going we're gonna to do that in the future, but we don't do it today, right? That's yeah, what all the yeah. people say. And then they come back and they're like, it's still not on the roadmap, right? And so you might do an acquisition to plug a hole in your product or service offering. And that doesn't necessarily immediately get you a lot more market share and revenue, but it creates an acceleration in how fast you can get new market share and revenue. Because okay. now you can, you can bring more customers in. And the third reason people tend to do acquisitions is you're buying intellectual property. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that might be patents, procedures, frameworks, you know, whatever that might be, methodologies, you know, any of those kinds of things. Um, you know, sometimes that's because the company the company that you're buying it from is liquidating and you don't want all the other stuff. <laughs> you're like, I don't, yeah. want all that other, I don't want all the other stuff. I just want the, the stuff that's going to make some money. And or you might be buying it to kind of take it off the market, right? Even if you're not going to use it right away, you might buy that intellectual property as kind of an insurance that you can come back to and use later. I would say that's probably for smaller and mid-sized companies, that's probably the least common one. In big enterprises, yeah. they do that a lot, right? But um, smaller and mid-sized companies, they tend to really, you know, buy market share or fill fill a gap. And that's um, you know, that's mainly acquisitions. The Partnership side of things um, are also fairly common and frequently people start with those with sales referral partnerships, right? I'm sure lots of your listeners do that, right? Mm -hmm. You bring me a lead or I bring you a lead and and you get a little, you get a few percent off the deal. Um, If someone someone brings you a lead in that partnership, Mm -hmm. you still have to go close it, right? And do all those kinds of things. Um, But it saved you the marketing costs up front and it saved you some of that demand gen costs. And vice versa, you give someone a lead, they still have to close it. So partnerships tend to be of that nature. They tend to be very transaction to transaction, even though your deal might be for, you know, a year or two years, or you know, you renew it every year or whatever it is. But it's very transaction to transaction, and it doesn't necessarily have a this sales referral partnership is going to generate X amount of money as part of the deal. Yeah. 
Um, sometimes partnerships though, can also be development partnerships. If you're working on a new product or you're working on a new service and you're going to co-develop it together, and then maybe you carve up the rights of who does what with it afterwards. Um, that's also something that a lot of people do, but you know, sales referrals, I'm sure you're, your listeners do a lot of those, right? Because that's, yeah, yeah. that's when to get into. Um, you know, the uh, the last one is really kind of strategic alliances. And, and there's a blurry space, I will say, between partnerships and strategic alliances. Strategic alliances tend to be longer in term, more formal, and um, they're a little bit more integrated in terms of it's very clear who's going to do if in a well-done strategic partnership back to your your question from some of your listeners before it's you need to be really clear like who's on the hook for what yeah. what are you going to do what's the time frame um the money part's got to be clear who's investing which pieces what's the revenue that you expect out of it who gets what part of it and oftentimes in those strategic alliances you actually are doing the work together out in the marketplace so maybe you're co-selling um, together in a marketplace. So instead of just you sell one piece and then bring in someone later, you sell together as as like a team. And those can be really helpful to get into new markets. If you don't want to do an acquisition, you can kind of try it before you buy it, if you will, with uh -huh. a strategic alliance. It can also be helpful if you want to do what I call brand drafting. So maybe you want to make an alliance with a company that's got a bigger, more well-known brand than maybe you do. And because then you get associated with that brand, if things go well, you get kind of um, additional benefit from that. You're seen as a, a larger and more credible company. And, you know, you make some money along the way, hopefully with a strategic partnership too. So a lot of times people will do that. Partnerships, to ha in my opinion, to be successful need to be very balanced. Mm -hmm. but, but the criteria there isn't always so explicit. And strategic alliances, the best ones are like, it's really clear. Like, yeah. like we all know what we need to get up and go do tomorrow. <laughs> and then there's, yeah. and, you know, you may adjust it as you get into it over time, but then the terms get updated and changed. So um, those are really the most common three that I've seen. And I, it's funny, in my business, I've been exposed to all three of them. Mm -hmm. and And it makes me wonder, looking at them the way you just laid them out, what are some of the factors that businesses should consider when choosing, you know, a particular type of this or inorganic growth? So what, what factors should I be looking at in acquisition, partnership, strategic alliance? Yeah. You know, I always, I always tell people, you know, kind of come back to your strategy and a strategy doesn't have to be some 30 point, 30 page, six point font PowerPoint deck. <laughs> doesn't need to be that. Uh, there's lots, there's yeah. lots of that out there, but it doesn't need to be that. Um, you know, it can be, it can be a few paragraphs in a word document. It can be fancy diagrams if you want. It can be whatever you want it to be. But you know, come back to what is your strategy? What do you really want to do over whatever your time frame is? The next year, two years, three years, five years, whatever it is. Um, and then you know, what does success look like for you there? And mm -hmm. so that's. That's numbers, but it's things besides numbers too. Oftentimes, you know, yeah. it could be certain amount of revenue growth. It could be, you know, we always wanted to get into this market, and we've just we've hit the boards on it way too many times. And I want to bust through it. I'm just determined to get there. It could be I want to grow to a point that I can add profit sharing for my employees as benefit 
because we're not quite there yet, but I, I really want to do that. It's important to me. And that's something that I want to do. Um, so, you know, have a think about all of that. And then, you know, really look at some options out there. And I, I often tell people to come back to another classic framework. You know, I love a good framework, Brian. I can't say I know. I can framework. tell. <laughs> yeah. You did 200, 200 acquisition integrations. Yeah, you you got to be uh, have a PhD in architecture. Yeah, I kind of think in frameworks because I'm like, then they do the heavy lifting and I don't have to work so hard, right? But it's uh, <laughs> frameworks are your friend is what people that have worked for me will say over and over again. Um, but you know, the kind of the classic one that you look at when you're building a business is, you know, if you know what you need to grow, you can build it, you can buy it, you can partner for it, or you can release it and decide you're going to do something else. And if you kind of come back to that, I mean, the, actually, the classic tech model is build by partner kill, but kill sounds so horrible. So I like release. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds a little more friendly. <laughs> Just send it on its way. Maybe you'll come back to it again. You know, if you kill it, that sounds so final. But uh, yeah. But in terms of building it, you know, then, okay, do you want to build it all yourself? Um, maybe you want some partnership in how you build it. That could be the case. If you're going to buy it, that might be an acquisition that you're going to look at. Um mm -hmm of a company or something, if you're going to partner for it, that might be a partnership in different ways, sales referral, co-development, so on. It might be a strategic alliance too. You know, a strategic alliance could be a combination of build and partner in yeah. terms of what you're going to do. Or you might look at those options and say, you know, I don't think any of those are going to get me the growth that I really want. Maybe I need to go back and redefine the kind of growth that I'm after. And that's kind of the release bit. So have, a, have like a think about that. I always tell people, and it doesn't have to be a super long drawn out process, but but kind of pause for a minute and kind of spend some time with yourself and your team and really think about those things. And then also think about what's important to you. What are your values and principles for your company that you want to still be true as you get through this growth curve? You know, and again, I come back to is, uh, you know, taking care of your employees. Is that just something you're known for? And it's important to you. Maybe these people have been with you for years and you're like, you know, we're kind of like a family. And I like that. I want mm -hmm. that to stay. Um, maybe it's, you know, I want to retire in a handful of years. And so I'm willing to make a few other trade-offs because I just want to run up the revenue and the profitability of this place. I want to make it super attractive. So in five years, I can sell and move to a nice, warm, sunny beach and call it good. And if that's important to you, that's okay. You know, there's yeah. no right or wrong answers to these questions, but really spending some time on what's important, what are the values that are important to you and the principles of how you like to work, because that helps you filter out a lot of stuff, right? That yeah. might come away. And then you also want to look at um, the finance. And I know this kind of goes without saying, so some of this is a bit of common sense and I'm sure your listeners do this anyway. But you always want to look at the financial strength of any company that you might acquire. Because you, if you buy the company, you buy all of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you buy the revenue stuff. You buy all those pieces. You buy all the debt. You buy all their obligations. You buy all their contracts that they're in. You know, so you, you, you get it all. You know, the mm. good, the bad, and the ugly. And as much due diligence as you do, and everybody does a decent amount, but there's always a few zingers that you didn't see. There just are. You know, it's like I always tell people, it's like when you buy a house, right? You have the yeah. inspector come, you walk through it three or four times, you know, have some other people look at some things and you're like, okay, great. And then you move in and you find like five other things that are just, you know. Always, like, always. Always, <laughs> right? 
So yeah. in your in your two hundred acquisition integrations that you did, what were were they, what were some common zingers, and what were some of the like most? Oh my God, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say the ones that go best are the ones where the parties involved are very clear about why they're doing the deal. Mm-hmm. They're very clear. Um, the ones that have the rockiest road are not clear about why they're doing it. They get caught up in kind of the deal heat, if you will, the like wheeling and dealing that goes on in these things. Some people just love that, right? They're just like wheel and deal all day long. Yeah. And they get kind of way lost in that and lose sight of other things. And, um, you know, I personally, I can tell you a couple of things that zinged me early on in this uh, was, again, living on the this, you know, go to market side of stuff is, you know, I'd be involved in writing the press release about the deal, put the blog post on the website, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And I thought I knew the real reason why we did the deal. And it's not that what went in that information was wrong. It wasn't. It was true. But there was more to the story, right? There's always more to the story. And that's the stuff that doesn't go in the press release. But that's the stuff that is told to the investors. That's the perceptions that other people have around things. Um, that stuff that, you know, the CFO knows from a finance perspective, but he's not going to go, you know, he or she isn't going to yell that from the rooftops to other people. But if you're doing the go-to-market integration, like you really need to know like all of those details of what's going on, because what were the assumptions that got put in those financial projections, right? You need to know what those are because you've got to go to market with the right product mix and the right timeframe to hit those projections. Because if you don't, there's no forgiveness at the end of the day. Right, right. You don't um, get a second chance, right? I mean. Yeah. You know, and, and it might be, you know, maybe you went to buy market share and that's the public story about this whole thing. Like, you know, we're going to put this together. This is great. You know, all these kind of things. And the rest of the story, if you want to go all Paul Harvey on this for a few minutes, is, um, you know, you sit down with the CFO and don't do this over email and don't do it. Like, if you can go sit and literally break bread with people to get the answer to these questions. It's better if you can't do a phone call, but don't do it over email because they won't answer it. (laughs) Nothing Um, in writing. Nothing in writing. And, you know, and just ask the details because like sometimes those deals, the underneath it is there's other stuff that they want to shore up on the financial perspective of things. And this acquisition has long-term value, but it's short-term buys them an air pocket that covers up some of the mess, right? Mm. You know, it's like we cleaned up the front of the house and we're closing the door and locking it from the other side so you don't see the mess at the back of the house. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of thing. While we run around and clean that up and make you dazzled with the front of the house being all nice and shiny and sparkly. And um, but those are the things that you really need to know. And and you have to you have to go ask and ask diplomatically um, and ask ask open-ended questions that you can get to understand what the other root causes of doing this deal might be. Um, because if you don't, you can easily get zinged by them later. Like if I didn't, if I didn't know some of the things that I found out in those conversations, yeah. to be standing up being like, here's the results of this, that, and the other. And, and people might be really upset that their expectation is that we'd be somewhere else in 90 days or 180 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, do yourself a favor and, and go find out early on, but you got to ask, you know, you can't, can't always sit down with people and be like, okay, so what's the rest of the story and the real reasons why we did this deal? If, right. 
Right, right. <laughs> if you know the people well enough, maybe, but usually you got to position it a different way. Like, okay, so I got why we're doing this, you know, press is done, da-da-da-da-da, that's all great. Um, so, you know, my favorite question for some CEOs is, all right, so let's let's fast forward 90 days and you're meeting with your investors or you're meeting with the rest of the executive team. Help me fill in the blank on some of this. We've been really successful with this acquisition acquisition because these three things are now true. What would you say those three things are? Right. Right. You know, so kind of go at it that way a bit and you'll get better information and, and more open-ended questions. And, you know, it gets them to think too, because then you can kind of come back and say, sanity check later on. Say, okay, I know you said these three things were important. We're now 90 days in. We've banged one off the list. That's great. The second one is, is coming along. It's not going to be 90 days. It's going to be, you know, an extra couple of weeks or maybe a month. Are you good with that? Okay, fine. This third one is just, you know, the pebble in the shoe. We can't, we can't shake it out. We can't get it right. Something's not working. We need to kind of circle up on this and have another think about it. And it gives you a way then to go back and set expectations. So nobody is surprised because the, the thing that derails this stuff fastest is actually surprises. Some of them you can't avoid. Like I said, you bought the new house and you didn't realize that, you know, the sink in the basement runs and there's a the small puddle of water. It's not going to bring the house down, but it's annoying. And, you know, yeah. then other times it's, you know, expectations are not all on the same page and people get so mm. busy doing these deals. And it's such an inward looking thing that they don't all circle up all the time to make sure like, are, are we all singing from the same songbook of what's going to make this work? Did you create a checklist of things to look at when you were acquiring other companies? I did. You know, they're all a little different. Like I, like I say, you know, these doing these deals is like doing a jigsaw puzzle. Like yeah, you know yeah. how to do puzzles. There's a way to approach them, but um, but the picture is always different at the end of the day. Um, and people start different ways, right? With puzzles, like oh, you find the corner pieces, and some people are like, you find all the ones of the same color, you know, or whatever. But, and uh, and I do puzzles, and you're exactly <laughs> right. You're exactly yep. right. You separate a thousand piece puzzle. You're going to separate the corners. You're going to separate the colors. Yep. That's the and way then, we you know, start. You've, you've got your strategy, right? Which is yeah. the cover of the box of what is this supposed to look like when you're done. <laughs> and then you kind of dive in. So, so yes, I have kind of checklists of things that you need to get to. How you do them and like kind of what order you do them in kind of depends on the company strategy. So, you know, but I, I will say some of the more urgent things are always around customer communications. Because you like I said, you know, everybody gets excited about doing the deal. Um, they're really happy and relieved when it's done. And like I said, then the press release goes out or the press blog post gets written and it goes out to all your customers and everybody's high-fiving in the hallways. And that's that's great. Except that that's the moment when all of your customers are like, okay, well, are you going to be too distracted sorting yourselves out to really help me yeah. and give me the yeah. service that I want? Um, and so you can't, the one big mistake I see people do is they do just that. They send out the press and they don't have a nice tight story for all of the existing customers of either party. And they don't have good talking points for the sales team. And they don't have the... I need to raise my hand and ask a question or I need to escalate this customer is really panicked and we need somebody else to come talk to them. Like they don't have those paths sorted out before the deal closes. And 
Because every customer and every single one, and they won't tell you this always. In fact, most of them won't. But every single customer, no matter how loyal they've been, will do the, you know, maybe we should rebid this work. Why not? They might be really distracted with this. They've been a great, you know, vendor, whatever for us for a long time. But, you know, maybe maybe we should just double check, Mm. right? What our other options are. And they'll all do it. And you'll have less customer churn if you get proactive on those communications. If you reach out to them as soon as you can, when the press goes out and say, you know, we're excited about this deal, but let me tell you how we think this deal is really good for you. Let me tell you about our commitment to you, about our commitment to quality. Um, We want to hear from you if something feels like it's not right or you're not getting what you want. And and we're going to check in a little more often to make sure you're in a good way. those things go a long way to building mm. customer loyalty. And so many companies don't do it early enough in an integration process. So, you know, integration is, uh, this is the way I'm going to look. Integration is like marriage, right? <laughs> the strategic alliance is like you're moving in together and partnerships is dating. Yes, <laughs> that's great. Exactly. Uh, yeah, because I'm li- as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, you know, that that acquisition integration, whether you are the acquired company or you are the acquirer, mm-hmm. um, there's a tremendous amount of, of work that needs to go in and, and you play the what if game. You know, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? And, and so a, a lot of homework that needs to be done um, and, and, and explaining why you're doing it. And then maybe a, a strategic alliance. Obviously, it's not going to require as much explanation of why you're forming the strategic alliance. You're just kind of highlighting, here are all of the features and benefits of us working together, how we can bring a new product or a new service to this segment of the market that's so needed and and everybody sees it. And not a lot of people will question it, right? Uh, maybe, you know, maybe you get some if it doesn't if it's not peanut butter and jelly, it's more like peanut butter and pickles. You're like, oh, okay, maybe that's not, I, I don't understand exactly. That's kind of an acquired taste, but it works for you. That's fine. And then partnerships, you know, they, they can be rather loose. Like you don't even, maybe you have a press release and it's just kind of, it's like an arrow in your quiver. Mm-hmm. Like you have that extra arrow. Oh, you don't like A, B, or C? Hey, how about this new partnership that I just formed with Company D? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that yep. that's kind of, that's what I'm getting from your explanation of inorganic growth. Is that a, am I accurate or am I kind of way off base? No, I love the analogy because it's um, you know if if you're doing an acquisition, it affects the whole company, right? Right. Like when you get married, that affects your whole life. Like there is a, <laughs> you know, it does. Yeah. Um, Wait, what do you mean you're putting all my sports memorabilia in boxes in the basement? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and, and alliances are usually a defined team, right? That works on mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And um, and it can affect other parts of the company, but it doesn't immediately affect everybody. And and partnerships are usually even a smaller group of people. And, and it may not be all the time even right 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 you know i'm i'm looking at my path to success and i'm thinking about where i want to be at the end of this year and at the end of the next year 
I guess I can have a mix of strategic alliances and partnerships, but if I'm going to be, if I'm going to do an acquisition, that that seems like it really needs to, you know, take my full focus, right? I mean, that I need that to work because that that could blow up in my face and uh, and and do a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, an acquisition is a lot of upfront capital and cost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's like you swallow the whole risk right at the beginning um, in ways that you don't with strategic alliances and partnerships. You know, strategic alliances, you might have some investment, but it's it's not the same level and magnitude. And, you know, that old adage of don't bet the farm if the only thing you know how to do is farming is true in these kind of things. Um, I love that. I love that. So, so I think it's, you know, it's always a calculated risk. And I I don't think there's a a business owner or CEO out there that it's not a nail biter, every one of these that they do. Um, For that reason, it's, it's like, okay, especially the big ones, like, we're going to try and do a big leap. And we're going to do it with, especially if it's one big acquisition, if you're doing a series of smaller ones, that can be kind of distracting for your teams. And it can be a lot of work. But Mm. each individual one, if one of them goes sideways, it's not as big of a risk. When you do the big ones, yeah. It can get you higher growth faster. But you know, like I said, if you if the only thing you know how to do is farming, don't bet the whole farm all at once. Like you yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, That's a great just, line. And just think about it. Yeah. It's um but you know, but there's times when it can be worth it. You know, if you if you know the company you're acquiring really well, if you've got that good strategic alignment if you've got the capital lined up in a way that um, makes sense for your business and you got the cash part of it is, is sorted out. So you're not going to be cash strapped, you know, yeah. right away on um, <laughs> things. Uh, you know, the big ones can be really, really lucrative and helpful. It, it kind of comes down to the strategy and planning. And I know that sounds like a very consultant thing to say, but it's true. It's nobody plans to fail. People fail to plan, right? You hear that all the time. <laughs> yes. Well, now I, I want to touch on that because a lot of times, you know, we think of this as in a proactive mindset, right? Oh, let's go out, let's find the ideal company to acquire and let's go get them. Or let's go out and find these strategic alliances or even partnerships. And it doesn't always work that way. A lot of times they, they come to you. They come to, you know, my business, your business, somebody, you know, the acquire, you know, somebody says, Hey, I'm, I'm retiring, you know, buy my business. Or somebody will come to you and say, Hey, I see you're having a lot of success in this segment of the market. How about we form a partnership or a strategic alliance? So in that sense, you ha- then have a, it, your mindset is reactive. Right. So you weren't thinking about this inorganic growth. You were thinking about organic growth. I'm going to grow my customer base, create these marketing plans, right? And and just grow the pipeline and everything is great. And so all of a sudden, someone comes along one day and hits you in the back of the head with a two by four and says, hey, strategic alliance or acquisition. Mm-hmm. Now, regardless of whether you say yes or no, that's going to cause you to take time that you need now need to find in order to do your due diligence on this opportunity. Mm-hmm. My key question here is, who are the integral people that need to be part of that discussion? 
Yeah, you know, and you're right. I would say, especially for small and mid-sized companies, much of the time, maybe even most of the time, these are like opportunistic in the moment. They come yeah. in kind of things. Um, and and they can come out of nowhere sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I would say the key people to be involved is, you know, the CEO or owner of the, the business obviously needs to be involved. CFO or your head of finance right away. Mm-hmm. You know, to look at the financials and um, and that side of things, then you want you want someone who's got a good, um, I'll just say, kind of a strategic mindset. Like they understand your business, they understand the marketplace you're in and the competitive landscape there. They understand what's important to your customers, and so that person could be they could be your head of marketing, they could be um, you know an operations person. They could be a business development lead person, you know, just one of those people that really understands the fundamentals of the market, the trends, and kind of what reality looks like, mm-hmm. and and can kind of take that and take the ideas presented in the potential deal, and say, okay, if we layer those ideas on top of what we now have, like what what could that look like? What are a few different ways that that could play out? And I would say, get those people on board early so you can take a look at it. And um, my word of caution on that is if you get pressured to make one of those deals really fast, like if someone comes and says, I want to do this partnership, but we got to do it in two weeks or we got to do it in a month. Yeah. Be really cautious. Like (laughs) why? Why is that timing so important? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't don't get pressured into someone else's timeline because, you know, they came to you for the deal. You were probably humming along just fine. Um, and maybe this is a good thing for you. Maybe it's not. But it's, you know, it wasn't like you woke up and said, I wish somebody would come knock on my door and, and want to do a partnership today. So, you know, try to get, again, those open-ended questions. But now it's to the other party. Like, why do they really want to do this deal? What are they looking to get out of it? Um and see if they can put some more specifics behind it, but but never make yourself beholden to someone else's timeline when it's not a deal you have to do. And what's interesting is people, companies come to you because you're having success. This is what I tell a lot of my clients. Nobody loves you when you're down and out, as Eric Clapton likes to say, right? But it's when you have achieved success and people see that, they glom onto it. Now, some see it as an opportunity. Okay, you're like you are covering a segment of the market that I don't cover. And mm-hmm. that's why I wanted. So maybe you you find out, you know, upfront, why do you want to do this? partnership or strategic alliance, or they're trying to acquire you, or they're asking you to acquire them, whatever the inorganic growth opportunity is, you want to, you want to figure out what the why behind it, right? But because you weren't thinking that way, you know, you don't, you don't say yes to the first person who comes along and asks you to start dating. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, like this may never happen again. So I better say yes now. Or you feel so like full of yourself that somebody actually wants to do a strategic alliance with you. Of course, you'll say yes. I think what that does is that opens up a separate pipeline Mm -hmm. where you say, okay, here's here's company A. I look at them as like a number five player in the market. Mm -hmm. Right. What 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 about the first four? 
right? The first four players. Now, now he's shifted my mindset to say, oh, I, I should be thinking about strategic alliances to grow my business. Because in the end, all of this is a means to an end, right? right. In the end, as you said very early, like, is this going to help me achieve my goals? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's organic, but a lot of times it's inorganic. And so once somebody introduces that separate pipeline, mm-hmm. I think it's critical that you say, well, who else is out there that we could be partnering with? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, you know, if you think of it, when you when you go hire a vendor for something that you're trying to do, that's really central to your business. You don't talk to just one. No, you always a talk of, to a, a lot of business owners do a lot of business owners because they're they have blinders on that, mm-hmm. that they're like, OK, this this it's like it's the lowest hanging fruit. Oh, yeah. This my my cousin Bob referred me to this vendor and he does podcast hosting. So I'll say yes to him. Yeah, you know, I think it happens. You're right. But, you know, I think when it's the big bets for your business, Mm. you know, like you said, take a look at trying to get to the why they really want to do this deal with you. Like if someone wants you to buy their company, you you really want to unpack that. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like, you know, what is it? You know, maybe it's a company you've done business with and you'd have partnerships with for years. And maybe the founder is like, you know, I, I it's been a great business for me. We've we've built it quite a bit. I want to retire. My kids don't want the business. It's a family-owned business. And so I need to sell it. And, you know, that might be more appealing. But, you know, sometimes there's other financial issues behind the scenes that aren't going to be really obvious to you that maybe that's the reason why. Because when you buy the whole thing, you buy the whole thing. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, I think, you know, don't feel like it all it has to be all or nothing. Like if someone says we really want you to acquire us, um, you know, maybe, you know, you can say, maybe, what if we started with a partnership? Like you said, data yes. before you marry it, right? <laughs> yeah. I was that was my next question. Can mm-hmm. can partnerships lead to alliances to lead to acquisitions? Do you have you seen that? Like the, in your 200 acquisitions, did any of them ever start as partnerships or alliances? A lot of them did, actually. Okay. You know, is um, particularly in service-based companies, right? You're you're in a different market, and um, and your client wants you to do something that maybe isn't quite core to what you do, and so you go find uh, you know another partner to bring in to fill that gap, um, or they want you to do work in a market that you're not. It's not easy for you to do the service delivery in that particular location. Maybe you don't have all the licenses to do it, or you don't have people there or something. Um, and it's a smaller part of a bigger deal. And so you bring in a partner to do some of that. And if you do enough of that work and it works well, then that might turn into a strategic alliance, mm, right? Yeah or, yeah. or it might turn into, you know, if you're the if you're the bigger company and you've done partnerships with a couple smaller ones and they've gone really well, this is what I've seen most often, then you might say, you know, this has worked so well. You know, how would you feel about just coming on board fully? And what if we we bought you out and bought your company and moved it all in house? Um, yes. And, yeah, you know, and a lot of times the answer. I thought you were asking me. Uh, yes, you can, you can acquire my company. <laughs> you know, and so, so I think those partnerships can be really valuable early on because you know, like you said, it's kind of the dating. You know, you try each other on for size. You see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and, and maybe an acquisition is not the right answer for different reasons and, and you stay friends and you keep doing work together. Um, or maybe it is. And, you know, once they say yes, though, where we agree to be acquired, that's that's where then all that integration work kicks into high gear because it's, you know, it's back to that. What's true about 100 percent of plans? Right? <laughs> right. Well, and what's interesting is when you're in that partnership phase, you can be looking at them as an acquisition and say, you know, your your IT systems don't line up with ours. Can we, you know, can we start working on your CRM database or something, right? You know, and and say, you know, I want we want to be able to transport the data over to ours. You know, that that would make you more attractive. Well, the way you capture information and the way you use it, right? That yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, if you if you've got a couple partnerships and, and maybe they all generate revenue for you, mm-hmm. and you're looking to make it by one of them, you know, the things that can make the deal more fruitful, faster, and just less expensive and easier to do can be things exactly like that. We run on the same CRM system. You know, we run on the same other corporate infrastructure. We've got the same email platform, right? You know, we've got the same time tracking and expense platforms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff, because um, reconciling all that is is a lot of work, right? And it can be really expensive. So if other things are equal, sometimes those things can, can tilt the needle toward one company or another. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I would default to that if the revenue and the other things that are important to you are not there. Like, right. don't don't ever trade that off, in my opinion. Right. Uh, but but if things are pretty close to equal, then then take a look at some of those things that you have to integrate, and you know what's going to be the path of least resistance and most value. Yeah. Wow. All right. We're unfortunately we're in the home stretch of this. Can you? I literally feel like it started five minutes ago and I've got a page of questions left to ask you. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is, will you come back on the podcast maybe in the fall, like after everybody's had a chance to digest everything we talked about? Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot. I do, absolutely. I mean, okay. I could talk about this all week. You know me. So <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have a bunch more frameworks and all kinds of other stuff that we could talk about in the fall. That would yeah. be great. Well, I want I want my listeners to hear it. I want to get their feedback on things that I missed that I didn't ask. They're gonna Brian, why didn't you ask this or this or this? So I can have a part two for you. Um, but I do know that one of the questions they would probably want to ask is how much of like uh inorganic growth as a way to grow my business. Is that going to be a popular trend like this year? Because we're in uncertain economic times, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when everything shakes out at the end of this year into next year, there will definitely be winners and losers. So there will be buyers and sellers, right? And and yeah. and companies are going to have to make hard decisions. Should should my listeners start taking more of a proactive approach to inorganic growth for their business this year? In my opinion, yes. And I think for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, you know, the, the economy is still a little fluid. The whole banking sector banking situation is still, you know, TBD in terms of how yeah. that's going to shake out. Cost of capital is still a bit up and down. It's a little all over the place. But at the same time, you got a lot of people sitting on a lot of cash that they need to invest too. So I, I think when you put all those factors together, 
it's a good time to consider inorganic growth. And, you know, like I said, the the acquisition has the most risk in it, but strategic mm-hmm. partnerships or strategic alliances and partnerships have a bit less and can give you a way to spread your risk out a bit if you want to give them a go. Because if they don't work, then you just cancel the deal. Like if you do the terms right, where you have out clauses for all involved, if it's not working, then you call it and yeah. go home. <laughs> yeah. So, no harm, uh, no foul. Right. Uh, but make sure you've got your out clauses in there. No, yeah. no good lawyer. <laughs> That's a great point. Actually, you're right. Always have an out clause mm-hmm. uh, through through any kind of partnership and, and don't have any kind of non-compete clause in there after, you know, mm-hmm. depending on your on your business. I love it. I love it. So that's the key takeaway. At least one of them from today is think more proactively about inorganic growth for your business. Create that separate pipeline and start identifying companies like just whiteboard it. You know, who are what write down a list of five companies that you could acquire and and why would you acquire them and what do you think it would take to acquire them? Uh, and what about partnerships and strategic alliances? And, and what would the what would the investment of resources be and something like that? And how will it help you achieve your goals either this year or next year? Love that. Love that thinking. That's fantastic. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Well, thank you for having me. Like I said, I could geek out on this all week long. And so it was a real pleasure to get to chat with you about it. You really, I I didn't honestly think, I, I guess I did in some ways think about it when I talked to my clients, you know, about ways that they can achieve their goals. But I love, I love the ideas that you put that you can start with a partnership and end with an acquisition and that you can kind of move between them. And you can have more than one. You can have a, a couple of strategic alliances and a couple of partnerships. Exactly. You can give it a try. There you go. I'll be dating and engaged and, and married at the, all at the same time. And hopefully not divorced, but well, it's yeah. a different story. Yes. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Well, Katrina, thank you again for some fantastic advice and sharing your experiences with us and your wisdom. I know my listeners appreciate it very much. I can think of a couple in particular who I'm going to send this to who are in in developing their inorganic growth pipeline as we speak. Oh, great. Well, happy to help. Yes, thank you. Uh, and thank you to our listeners. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your suggestions, your feedback. This is actually the first time in five years I've been doing this. I feel like this is the first time I really delved into inorganic growth. So uh, this is a new avenue for us. I know it won't be the last time we speak about it because Katrina has already agreed to come back in the fall to talk about it again. So keep keep your suggestions and your feedback coming. We appreciate it. Katrina, thanks again. And we will see all of you uh, next week on another episode of the Small Business Edge podcast. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.